This is the Russian dynamite Masha Slamovich. Becca here. This is not America's sweetheart Davian. It's Billy Starks and the super fly guy Trayvon Jordan. This is the fly side flyer Jalen Brandon. Hardcore princess Jules Malone. Hi there, this is the bubblegum princess Alexia Nicole. This is the Brazilian Wonder Woman Christy Jane. This is the baddest black belt Chennai Kai. This is Kid Bandit. The smash hit Joel Bateman. This is Robin Renegade. Cody Hawk. Brutal Bob Evans. And you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment, one of my favorite podcasts in the whole wide world. We are Jack Pride, and this is Wrestling With Entertainment. Hello, 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 and welcome to the show. It's Wrestling With Entertainment, the only audio experience on the web today. Interviewing all your favorite wrestlers every Tuesday and Wednesday on YouTube and CastBox, sponsored by Rogue Energy and Player One Coffee. I am, of course, your host, James J. And it's a great day for wrestling, because we are wrestling with... They are the man of two minds, Jack Pride. <clears throat> Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, we are Jack Pride. Uh, if you want to find us anywhere on the internet, Instagram is Mind of Jack Pride, and our Twitter handle is Jack Pride, but the I is a seven instead. Hmm. And where can we find your merchandise as well? Uh, <clears throat> I'm nothing online right now. Basically, just have to come to shows for that. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you can. Uh, you don't even have to go looking for it. All of Jack's social media will be in the description of the video below, but on YouTube and Castbox. Simply click the link, and you will be there. All right. Uh, so, who am I talking to tonight, Jack or Pride? <laughs> uh, usually, for these interviews, uh, I like to refer to myself as the mind behind the mind that is Jack Pride. Oh, I see. <laughs> so it's a, it's a blend of both. It's, yeah. Okay, I take that. All right, well, let's, uh, let's get into it. You work for Love Pro Wrestling. Can you tell us about your relationship with the company? Uh, I've been with Love Pro from the start. Um, and, yeah, I it is, right now it is my favorite place to work. Um, they do shows once a month. Uh, yeah, it's just so much fun working there. Uh, backstage is great. All the guys and girls in the locker room. Um, <clears throat> the shows are so much fun. Great matches. Hot crowds all the time. Uh, really, really story-driven company. So that, uh, that's a lot of fun for me, too. I'm a big storyteller with my wrestling, uh, and I like to have... Uh, you know, a continuous storyline uh, throughout one company, like whatever companies I'm working for, is nice to have a little bit of extra to like want to dig into um, versus just having a match for the sake of it. Right. And uh, no pun intended. That's kind of why I love love pro wrestling. Um, you know, there are so many incredible Canadian companies out there right now. And Love Pro Wrestling's only been here for maybe a little less than two years, and they're already maybe one of the bigger ones. Yeah, actually, uh, we have a show 
uh, as the release of this podcast will have happened a few days prior. Um, is actually the first show of year two. So everything that uh, we've accomplished at Love Pro has so far all happened in the first year. And in that first year, you were wrestler of the year. What does that uh, mean to you? Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised uh, when I found that out. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't expecting to win that one. Um, I didn't like. I figured I was going to finish top three, but I had a different. Uh, his name is Son of Irish. I had him pegged. He was for sure going to win it, but then it was it was me, and that was uh, that was really cool. It, it did mean a lot because it was a fan vote, so that. That to me says that you know I'm clearly connecting with the audience. They like the the product that I put out each and every night that I go out there and wrestle for Love Pro. So it was, uh, yeah, that one that meant a lot to me. It was pretty cool. And you also won match of the year with uh, Son of Virus and uh, moment of the year when Mars uh, joined you and uh, TJ, correct? That is true. Yeah. What? Uh, I mean that's incredible. That, uh, that's really impressive. Did winning in three different categories, and obviously the big one, you know, wrestler of the year. And, uh, yeah, that was. Uh... Oh, sorry. Go. No, continue. Continue. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I was quite quite shocked, like in a good way, uh, to even be like. Yeah, in like the top voting for all of those. Um, that match with Sun Irish, that one match of the year, that was definitely my best match of the year. I had so much fun putting that together with uh, Son of Irish, uh, going out there, putting on that performance, and getting over all the everything. We're ah, it was just ah, I get really excited thinking about it. It's so <laughs> much fun, and uh, yeah, then the moment of the year too. That was kind of a shock. That was. Uh, we had some big moments uh, in love through across several stories. So to see that one win, that that tells me that there's got to be people excited for what what's going to be happening in this second year. So looking very forward to seeing where this is all going to head. And um, that was one of the matches. Obviously, I wanted to talk to you about was the match with Son of Iris. Um, you know, I look at that match and I kind of feel like that's a map, that's a match that put, that kind of puts Love Pro Wrestling on the map when it comes to attracting new fans because it was everything I feel like a pro wrestling match should be. What was kind of what's your thoughts on you know it getting so much love? Well, yeah, no pun intended, love from. Or, or, <laughs> The wrestling world and um, social media and all that. Um, yeah, like I, that. I don't know that match particularly. Like, I don't know. There was something like uh, Son of Irish and I. We have really good chemistry. Like we've never had a bad match. Uh, I've known him since he was, I think, what we figure since he was like eleven or twelve years old uh, when he first started training and. I kind of got some of my first training at the same time too. So we've kind of, uh, we're 
bunch of years apart in real life, but as far as wrestling life goes, we kind of came up together a little bit. So uh, it's nice to see how far he's come over all that time. And then for us to be able to go out there, uh, having all these years together uh, wrestling, and then being able to pull something like that off that uh, the fans like absolutely like latched onto. Uh, we hit that big spot where he goes for the shooting star press, and I countered it with the uh, code breaker. Uh, I like to call it the swallowed pride. Uh, and that when that hit, um, yeah, that was the crowd reacted. They were totally into it. We had him hook line sinker and. Uh, uh, yeah, that one, it just, that was so much fun. And yeah, it, it was special too, for me to be able to win that with son of Irish, given all that history we have. So it was kind of neat. And I did want to ask about that move, the, the swallowed pride out of nowhere. Um, because you know, obviously son of Irish just has to do the move. It's you that actually have to catch him. So like, how do you even start to attempt something so, you know, out of nowhere like that? Uh, well, it it's one of those things. Uh, like I said, I've known Son of Virus for so long, and he's been doing that move for as long as I've known him. So that's just, I've seen him do that shooting star press hundreds of times, if not more. And... Uh, yeah, watching the guy do a move all the time, you, you get timing down. And like I said, him and I have really good chemistry. So just like the timing is a non-issue. So yeah, when I saw him going for it, I knew exactly how I could time it out so that I was waiting uh, to hit him with the swallowed pride at the perfect moment. So, and yeah, it, it paid off gangbusters. So Now, one might say that uh, 2022 was the year of pride. <laughs> um, before before all of that, you almost retired, no? Uh, yeah, that was something that was definitely on my mind at one point in time. Uh, <clears throat> because I had been wrestling up until uh, COVID came and shut the whole world down. And then once some of the bands started getting lifted and wrestling shows started uh just kind of where i was at in life i was i was okay waiting for like because wrestling started up around here probably like uh the probably the first like the second that they had enough of the bands lifted and they were allowed to have shows like even with limited audiences they'd have them going on so there was a good six months while COVID was still around uh that they might even be longer than that anyways, but they were running shows for a while and I chose to sit out because I was like, I'm just going to wait till the whole thing's over. And, you know, once they lift all the bands and then come back and yeah, so it ended up being two years total just about that. I sat on the shelf doing nothing. And <clears throat> when I finally did get the call to come back, I was pretty excited uh, pretty apprehensive, didn't know where I was going to be. And yeah, had my first few matches back, had fun, but just didn't feel the same fire. And so I kept wrestling for the next month or so. And then, yeah, everything was just kind of 
you know, felt like I was going through the motions. I didn't, like I said, I didn't feel the fire. I didn't feel the love for it. And then coincidentally enough, it was the love show where I wrestled uh, Mo and Lumberjack Larry. It was like a whole, everything kind of came to a head for me at that show. And it was, you know, a combination of that show, the way the audience responded. And then the next couple of weeks after, and it just kind of all rolled into this. I just, yeah, I uh, I just knew that I couldn't give it up. So if I was if I wasn't going to give it up, then I had to go the other direction and give it as much as I could. And I ended up having the busiest year of my career last year. And well, like we've talked about, I got all like all those awards through Love Wrestling. Uh, I got an appearance on WWE Raw. Uh, I traveled from BC all the way out to Manitoba. So for any non-Canadians listening to this, uh, that's across the entire Western Canada I've now wrestled in. So like I got a lot done last year. And uh, yeah, it's crazy to think I started the year almost retiring. And by the end of the year, there's just no chance that that's even in sight. I absolutely love to hear that. Because like you said, like I said, it was the year of pride. And, um, it's, you could say that Love Pro Wrestling in, reinvigorated your love for pro wrestling. <laughs> oh, yeah, you could absolutely say that. I think we might have more love puns than when I ha actually had Spencer on. <laughs> <laughs> like, every other word was love, and his name is love. So, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's good. Um, let's talk about, you know, more recently. Um, you were a part of the Steelheart Memorial title tournament. What does that kind of mean to you to be involved in a tournament, you know, um, honoring, you know, one of the most well-known Canadian wrestlers of all time? Uh, yeah, uh, being involved in stuff like that, it's always cool. Uh, like it, those definitely, those sorts of things definitely mean a little bit more than just, you know, a quote unquote regular match. Like there's a little bit more of a, like an implication, like, yeah, just more meaning to it. So, you know, it almost, it brings out, like it lets you turn it up a little bit more. Um, just kind of knowing that's kind of what it's all about. And then the ability to win a title or an award or whatever the, promotion has at the time for uh an individual like that to be able to say like oh i won that like that you know it it means like i said just like that much more than anything else so it's pretty cool to be involved in that sort of thing well um last year you did with win the the hitman cup um with uh, as a part of the knights of the broken table um <laughs> what did it mean to you to win you know obviously that title that's obviously a part of Bret Hart, um, and at the Saddle Dome Arena, which is a major, you know, event. Yeah, uh, so that that was my second time wrestling. Uh, it's PWA Battle at the Dome, and yeah, that's a super cool experience because, like, you get there, uh, and so the way it works. Uh, at the same time as the hockey game is going on, uh, they'll hype 
uh, kind of that there's going to be wrestling. So the game will go, and then at the end of the sh- end of the game, as soon as they're all done and the ice is zambonied, uh, or actually, sorry, before it gets zambonied off, uh, we come running out and we set up the ring on the ice, and then put on four or five matches for however much of the crowd ends up sick, sticking around. And I think both times were uh, well over a thousand, close to like 2000 fans. So it was super cool. And then to uh, be in a venue like the Saddle Dome, uh, like on the ice wrestling, like there's just, yeah, that was uh, such a wild experience. Um, Cause like the whole day while the game's going on, we're cruising around, uh, like backstage, um, and they do like they had different promo spots. We'd come up, did a meet and greet. So any fans that were there were also like wrestling fans and hockey fans, and line up just like down the hallway, just meeting all these kids and their parents for the most part. Uh, it's super cool. So much fun doing those sorts of things, and yeah, and then actually getting to wrestle down the ice. Was, oh, it's it's so much different than your regular show because it does have that big feel because you're actually in an arena doing it. And, uh, yeah, that's both times I've done that. It's definitely, uh, you know, cross one off the bucket list kind of thing to be able to say like, yeah, I wrestled in the saddle dome. And you're wrestling on ice. I can't imagine it's not freezing cold, right? Yeah, so the ring's set up there, so we got whatever the distance is, it's like four feet from the from ice to the ring mat surface, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's you're out there in your gear, and you get running around and you don't notice it, but the one year we had, I think, I think we had the Battle Royal the one year, so you get thrown over the top rope, well, it's the ice waiting down there for you, and it is definitely... Definitely cold in your spandex. (laughs) (laughs) I could imagine. (laughs) All right. Um, Can you tell us about being part of the Miz Force? (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, that was another one. I just that was an absolute bucket list item for sure. That was one of the most like, uh, I'm trying to trying to recycle words here, but like, it was just such a cool experience. It was just one of like, like that's one that's gonna be with me forever. Like, I that <clears throat> that day was so much fun. Um, so when we got uh, when they picked the guys for the spot, uh, I ended up getting to do it with uh, a couple other guys from the area uh, who are friends of mine, uh, Stephen Crow and Michael Richard Blaze. And we got picked and they kind of told us what was going on. Like, you're going to be part of a security crew. Uh, and then we're going to have someone come in. They're going to pretend to beat you up and we're going to all pile you up. And that's basically what's going to go on. So they bring us to where they're going to shoot the spot. And I hear one of the producers uh, talking about it. And like, yeah, can somebody get the Miz here? Uh, we're just about ready to do this. And... Immediately, I turned to Crow, and I was like, did they just say The Miz? Like, did I just hear that correct? And he told me, like, yeah, that's that's what's happening. We're, we're going to be part of, like, The Miz's security team. And I had to just, like, have a moment because, like, I'm a Chris Jericho guy, number one, but 
the not so far behind number two for me is the Miz. And oh my, I, yeah, I had a total like deer in the headlights. I'm going to meet a superstar moment. And I just, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I had a whole just like had to take a second, collect myself. And then he ended up coming in the room and I was like, oh man, this is so cool. Uh, we did the spot, a lot of fun. And then when it was all said and done, uh, the Miz actually is super cool. He took the time to come shake all our hands and thanked us for, you know, hitting our cues and doing all that, uh, helping the spot to go well. And yeah, it was just really super cool, uh, experience. And yeah, that's not one I'm going to be forgetting anytime soon. I remember watching that, and the first thing I immediately saw was Stephen, uh, Steve Crow. Because you cannot, <laughs> you can't miss that mullet he got, he has going on. Yeah, that mullet is, it is a, is a legendary mullet. It is iconic. There was no hiding it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were also, because of that segment, you were featured on the news. Um. What was that like? Uh, that one was that was pretty neat too. Uh, that one was the uh, I was caught the most surprised by that one. Obviously, when I did the spot with the Miz, like I knew I was going to be doing something. Like I was there to do something. Um, but the the news spot, uh, we were actually we were at a show. We had a show that night, and uh, <clears throat> I think it was like our show starts at seven i think it was like maybe four o'clock so it's getting close to show start and mrb came and grabbed me and grabbed crow and was like hey so the news is here so we've got to go talk about doing the whole Miz force thing so i was like oh that's super neat uh so we went and it was kind of just like uh like like i've done a bunch of podcast interviews and so i've got a feel for how that all goes and it was almost it was pretty close to the same as doing a podcast. They just happened to have a big, giant professional camera pointed at us. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty neat. And then to have like friends and family either being like, hey, I saw you on Monday Night Raw, or hey, I saw you on the news talking about when you were on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> neat. So. I can imagine. Was, now, I might be... I might not know the time frame of all of this, but was if that was at a show, was that for the the new no DQ match against uh, Richard? Um. Yes, I do believe that was that match. Uh. Yeah. So like. Yeah, I went and uh, did all that stuff beforehand with the news, and then me and MRB uh, went and headlined the show. So yeah. <laughs> wow. So it was just a big day all together yeah that was a, like kind of that whole week couple of weeks was like there was a lot went on for me in that frame uh that amount of time it was really busy and a lot of big things and it was super yeah i had that was a really good time i really enjoyed that yeah miss for scene with uh richard and then you know I, i'll take your belt on friday <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, um, you are the uh, the man of two minds, Jack and Pride. 
Um, I normally don't like going into, oh, do you prefer face or heel, or, you know, things like that. But you're, but Prank's a heel, Jack's a face, two different people, one, one body, two minds, one company, people love Jack, people are starting to get onto the Pride bandwagon. How do you even begin to kind of start, begin something like that, to say, okay, two different, uh, two different characters, this is how um, people know I'm either Jack or I'm Pride, and all of, all of that. Uh, oh man, that, so that all started, that whole character progression, um, started for me, uh, because on the timeline of Jack Pride, I was wrestling as Jack Pride, uh, pretty generic, white meat baby face, did all the good things, said all the right things, loved the fans, uh, had a hair versus title match where if I won, I would become the champion. If I lost, shave my head. Uh, in a roundabout way, my on-screen best friend ended up costing me the match. Jack Pride had to shave his head, uh, which caused a mental breakdown, uh, which is where Pride was born. And so for the next few years... I wrestled just as pride, uh, just the quintessential arrogant, I know I'm better than you, yeah, kind of heel, uh, worked fairly aggressively, and then <clears throat> got to a point where I started um, taking bookings in more than just the one company I was working with at the time, or, well, I was with two companies at the time, and but I was starting to branch out further out of Alberta into different companies within Alberta. And some places wanted to book me as a heel. Some places wanted to book me as a babyface. And so I always, whenever I see online and I hated having to do it for myself, I always thought it's silly if a guy does a promo as a heel and then because he's working for one company, and then releases a promo a few days later where he's a baby face because he's working for a different company. I always thought that looked silly and I didn't want to fall into that trap. And I felt like I was, and it's, it just works out. Like some places, it doesn't matter what you do. Some fans are just going to love you, whether you're the, some fans like to love a jackass. So it's, it's tough to always be the exact same everywhere. And so anyways, I wanted to avoid having these two kinds of promos at the same time. So I was like, well, how can I, how can I do that, but do it differently in a way I've never seen before? And I had been recently watching the movie uh, Split with James McAvoy. And he flicks through, like, on screen you see, like, eight different characters and he's supposed to be the part of the even more characters. And I was really drawn in by his ability to just like on a dime flip personalities and very distinctly become a different entity essentially. And so I was like, Oh, 
well, I can do that with two. He's doing it with ten. Like I can, I can pull off two. That's not too bad. <laughs> and then over the course of the next couple of years, uh, like the the Jack and Pride thing has undergone several changes along the way as this has grown and matured and just like organically come across to uh, what it is now, which is Pride is generally the same Pride he's always been. Uh, Jack is a very, very lovable baby face, thinks the best of everybody, pretty gullible. I, I refer to it as uh, Pride is Brain and Jack is Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, if you've ever seen that show. So and the other one's insane. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's that sort of, uh, that's kind of what I'm going for. And then the other thing, like, uh, Pride kind of protects Jack is kind of the angle there. Uh, Jack, Pride, Jack needed Pride to take care of him when things got hard. And so that's kind of what's going on. And it, it was kind of, it was very difficult at first because I didn't know, like, it was very new. I'd never seen anybody do, really do anything like it in wrestling. And so I had to search out through various media, like uh, Two-Face from Batman, uh, watching different versions of him, reading different comics, kind of how the two sides play off each other. Um, obviously, like Jekyll and Hyde, like anything where it's that same sort of headspace to try and, and see how it works best because it's such a stark contrast, and that's what I'm going for. And yeah, it took it took a while for me to get it all ironed out, but I really, I really have a firm grasp of what it is now. It is really getting fun. Because the original version of Jack Pride was something of um, wanting to have the seven deadly sins. You were Pride. There was a girl named Envy. There was another guy named Rat. And now it seems like. It's just, you know, like you said, a split personality and the other personality is just so happens to be named Pride, not necessarily a Seven Deadly Sims type scenario, no? Uh, yeah, that, um, yeah, so that was the, when Pride first came out, that was kind of the angle that was taken, was, uh, he was the, the living embodiment of pride and then yeah uh had envy briefly had wrath um and yeah and so more recently uh it's been a lot less of that and more steering into the split personality thing um uh, but i mean he's still pride right so it's very it's a very easy switch for him to flip to become what he's been before oh absolutely and you know, you mentioned you know Pride is project uh, is protecting Jack. Um, is that when she came around, and will she ever return? Uh yeah. So that was kind of the story. Was yeah, when Envy came around, that was kind of what allowed Pride to trap Jack inside of his mind, um, and. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's hard to, well, okay, 
as far as will she come back, uh, never say never. It's one of those things you can never say never with wrestling. Uh, as it stands, there's no real plans in the cards for that. But Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, well, another person, um, because we got Jack, we got Pride, we got who we're talking to right now, and there is a fourth person that people might not know about. That's Y2 Jack. <laughs> Can you tell us about uh, having the distinct honor of beating Batista? oh yeah that match was that was a lot of fun too i that whole match so here in alberta we did uh it's called the clandestine society and we put on a wrestling show and it was just uh, essentially a bunch of wrestlers just got together and booked a card with all the matches that they thought would be awesome that they would want to see and we let the fans in, and so that match between uh, Jack Pride and Davey O'Doyle, that I can't. That started uh, pretty much off a joke between us, and um, it just kind of snowballed from there. And originally, we were just going to do uh, their entrances, and then it turned it in, turned into well, maybe we should you know, do some of their moves into full-fledged, got to do the whole thing. Be as close to, because uh, for me, uh, Jericho is my favorite, and Davey O'Doyle, his guy is Batista. So nobody, if there was anybody that was going to do that, it would have been us being our favorite guys. Um, And it ended up being so much fun. Uh, my girlfriend at the time even made a light up jacket to try and mirror what Jericho was doing at the time. Uh, I had trunks made, I like the whole nine dressed like Jericho to the T he dressed like Batista, uh, had a big dragon drawn on his back. So he had like a tattoo and yeah, the match, we just cycled in all their greatest hits, hit all their moves and uh in the end batista tapped out to the walls of jericho uh to the lion tamer and yeah that match i that is another one that was such a great night of wrestling and that is definitely a match that i'm never gonna forget and the only thing that could have been better is if somehow somewhere uh chris jericho watched that match that would, oh, I don't even, I don't even know what I would do. That would be so awesome. <laughs> I, that would be, that would be pretty cool. Um, I love the fact before the match, um, you drank uh, bubbly, not a little bit of the bubbly, but the, you know, uh, the uh, the sparkly water bubbly, and then you turned into white to Jack. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a fun little promo I did. Because, uh, yeah, he was doing... It was right when AEW was first starting, 
and he was doing he had just won the title the very first title and he was doing the the bubbly thing uh i don't actually drink so that's why i did it that way i thought it'd be a, okay. a fun little like close but not quite uh and yeah i just figured kind of i just started doing the man of two minds thing and so that was my idea oh if i drink do a promo where i drink something that'll just unlock a different personality where you're Y2 Jack pride all of a sudden. And yeah, I just, like I said, I've been watching Jericho since his WCW days. And so there's not much he's done that I don't know. And yeah, just cycled through some of his uh, promo greatest hits and just little stuff to hype the show. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Everything about that setting up for that match, that match and all that. Yeah. Uh, so much fun, such great time. All right. Um, can you tell us about your relationship with TJ Cannon? Uh, TJ, so we met TJ uh, <clears throat> at the kind of right around when we first came back to wrestling. Uh, and him and I, I think it took a few shows before we like really talked any decent length uh he's friends with uh mars also so we kind of we started all riding together and that's kind of where it really started uh but kind of the very first thing uh that bonded me and tj was uh i can't remember who was talking about it but somebody was going around the locker room asking uh favorite matches of all time and uh uh, so my favorite match of all time is Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 19. Uh, that has one of the best buildups to a match, uh, like starting with the Royal Rumble and building the entire way to this great Mania match. Uh, oh, it was just the build is so amazing. Uh, except that's not really uh, that's not a match that a lot of people gravitate to for a favorite match ever. Uh, it's it's like, it's not the greatest match that Chris Jericho has wrestled in his career. It's not the greatest match that HBK has wrestled in his career, but everything about that match was just, like I said, that build was so perfect and the match fit the story so well, including the ending where, Jericho looks like he's going to be a good guy about it and ends up kicking HBK low and just everything about it was just a perfect bow on a perfect story. Uh, and it just, yeah, it's always been like from the first time I saw it, it's been my favorite. And so anyways, uh, someone's going around the locker room asking about favorite matches. I obviously said that one. And then I can't remember how it happened, but either I heard TJ say his, or he heard me say mine, but his favorite match of all time is HBK versus Y2J at Mania 19. So it was one of those things like instantly is like, okay, clearly we have the same wrestling mindset and we just kind of hit it off from there. And like I said, and it helps to uh, <clears throat> traveling up and down the road together, being in the same car for basically the last year uh, is kind of hard not to get to be pretty good buddies with somebody. Well, it does seem like inside the ring, you saw, you know, 
friends, but outside the ring, you are rivals. Because it doesn't seem like you and him could really decide on um, food choices. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, oh. Yeah, when it comes to food, TJ doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> oh, that, that guy puts mayo on everything, and I friggin' <laughs> hate mayo. It is the worst. Oh, yeah, he uh, he's hilarious. He puts all. He's got some really uh, really hot takes when it comes to food, and he likes to post them on his Twitter and just lights Twitter up for like a night with a lot of the wrestlers around here. And it's always a lot of fun doing that. But his taste in some food is just. Oh, I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> Well, you have some interesting takes on food as well. You mix milk with Coca-Cola? Uh, I mean, I don't do it on a regular basis, but it's not a bad thing. It tastes... If you have never tried Coca-Cola with milk, do it like a 50-50 mix. If you've never tried it, it is absolutely worth trying. It is quite good. Um, you know, I've never even thought about it, but... I mean, <laughs> I, I think I could maybe try it one time. <laughs> yeah, it's you'll be pleasantly surprised. But I think everybody agrees that you can't put up put uh, ketchup and mayo on pizza. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's a terrible pair. Yeah. Um, I think that's time for um. Our next segment, Jack Pride's Bizarre Adventure. You're a pro wrestler that goes up and down the roads, and weird, crazy, and bizarre things are about to happen. Can you tell us a road story that puts that description? Oh, <laughs> actually, yeah. Um, so, this past summer, fall, I guess it's closer to fall, anyways, uh, it was me, TJ Cannon, uh, referee Stuart Garvey, and Rick Jules. We were driving. We had driven out to BC, wrestled a couple of shows out there, and we were driving back. And because Stuart Garvey drove the whole way there, I agreed to drive the whole way home. And uh, so it was just it, so I was driving overnight uh, through the mountains around here. So it gets pretty dark and I had never actually driven through the mountains myself. So it was the first time doing it. It gets really dark. Like where we were, couldn't really see stars, couldn't see the moon, could like see almost nothing. It was wild. Um, anyways, it was only me and TJ that were awake at the time and we're driving along and like, I'm a pretty big, like I'm a, I'm the type that believes that UFOs are a real thing. I don't know if they're necessarily aliens or what they are, but okay. I'm pretty convinced UFOs are legit. Okay. Uh, and so TJ's maybe less so, but he's still, uh, he's at least willing to entertain that I believe in these things. And so we were kind of, I don't know, we had kind of been talking about that stuff. And as we're talking about it, driving along, and like I said, it is it is black. It is, like, the only light that I can, 
that I registered as we're driving was the light from the headlights on the van. Like if I would have shut the lights off, I'm pretty sure it just would have been pitch black. Uh, so we're talking about UFOs and then all of a sudden the light, there was a light in the sky ahead of us and it was green and it ripped through, like ripped across the sky and then disappeared. And I don't mean like it burnt out. I mean, like it went past where we could see, like it went behind the mountain. And I'm not saying it was a UFO. I'm not, I don't know if it was like, just like a meteor streaming in and we just didn't see it burn up. I don't know what it was exactly, but because we had been talking about UFOs and then that happened, it like both of us were like, what, we're just like, what did we just see? Oh my goodness. And we're like, I was like, oh my God, like, what if that was he? And we started having like, you know, how you get freaked out, you get caught off guard. And then all of a sudden stories start to snowball. And uh, we're like, oh, what if that was a UFO? Well, what does that mean? Was it from space? Is it like stuff happening on earth? Like what? Is, and like, when I say we were talking about, it, I'm pretty sure it was mostly me and TJ was just like trying not to make me feel crazy. Uh, anyways, like I just, I ended up having to pull over and just like take a minute. Cause I was like, Oh my God. And calm down. I was like, okay, you're just like, it's four in the morning. You're on two hours of sleep. You're just a little bit crazy right now. Calm <laughs> down. Uh, yeah, we like, I, I took a 15 minute chill and we're like, okay, I feel better. I realized I'm just being a crazy person. And we picked up driving and we continued the rest of the way. But that was just like blew my mind, the timing. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Super cool, though, seeing like it was like this really like like green's my favorite color. So it's like bright hunter green with like gold along the sides. It was super neat. It just also happened to terrify me at the same time. <laughs> that, that does sound interesting. Is that the yeah. only extraterrestrial encounter that you had so far? <laughs> yeah, that is the only one so far. Okay. Well, it's definitely uh, in a bizarre adventure, if I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. Um, now, have you beaten Zoe Sega at Uno yet? <laughs> no, I have not. We have not played Uno for so long. Uh, we used to do that backstage when we were all working for uh, this one particular company that, like, just about, like, uh, when I say, like, bunch of, like, a bunch of us, the wrestlers, that we're all friends. And, yeah, we used to always play Uno backstage. And then over the course of the year, just about none of us work for that company anymore. So we haven't had... Uh, we haven't had the whole crew together very often to get the chance to play. So up until this point, unfortunately, I have not beaten Zoe Sager. Okay. But uh, there is um, an upcoming Red Knife on a Pole match between you two. <laughs> oh, where did that come? I've, I vaguely remember that story. I don't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, something about Zoe burning the venue. That's right, with her bread knife. Yeah, that was, uh, we were just joking around after a show, and 
you know, things get said and it's just, oh, that would make a perfect tweet. And then somebody tweets about it. And <laughs> so, so hold on. So we almost spawned down of the venue. <laughs> no, not actually. Uh, burnt the venue would be like, you do something so bad that the venue won't uh, bring you back your wrestling show again. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I, I meant it as a joke to, to uh, a joke to her. Okay, I gotcha. All right, because he keeps beating you at Uno, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yes. <laughs> All right. Um, can you tell us your love of Superman? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oddly enough, uh, so when I was a kid, like I, I read comics. I wasn't super duper into comics uh i'd read the odd spider-man incredible hulk i didn't actually even really read superman as a kid uh my love of superman actually started uh from my love of the show seinfeld uh <clears throat> so my dad used to watch seinfeld when i was little like a little kid and then once they started releasing it on dvd i bought them all and so I was what like when they came out, I was watching Seinfeld all, basically every day for a long time. And uh, Jerry Seinfeld is actually a huge Superman fan himself. And so from watching all that Seinfeld, hearing about Superman uh, through the show and seeing stuff around Jerry's TV apartment with Superman, I just kind of like uh, actually that's what opened the door. And then I started reading Superman comics and getting into Superman. So it wasn't actually until a little bit later in life that I became such a big Superman fan. I bring it up because you do have Superman tattooed on your hip. Yeah. My whole, uh, what's that? My whole right side is Superman. Yeah. How long did it, because it's a very, very large tattoo. How long did it take to do that? Uh, I think it was uh, six hours all total. Oh, wow. And how many sessions? Uh, that was two sessions. Okay, so three, uh, three hours each. Yeah, pretty much. All right, so what's your go-to um, uh, Superman? Because I kind of prefer, um, oh, what was it called? Um, the Red Sun, I think it's the one where, he's in, where he was born in Russia. Or if yeah. he landed in Russia. Uh, yep. Uh, sorry, what was the question, though? What's your go-to Superman for anything? Oh, yeah. So, uh, funnily enough, uh, I have two that fit that. One is actually, like you said, uh, Red Sun. I thoroughly love that one. And uh, outside of Red Sun, there is... Uh, uh, I can't remember the names of the writer and the author, but it is, it's a one-off, uh, like, graphic novel. It's a hardcover, uh, but it's called Luther, and the whole thing is told from Luke, Lex Luthor's perspective um, and how he views Superman. So Superman's not even actually the main character of this particular comic, but when he shows up, like, it's... It's written so well that, like, you understand 
that Superman is still, yes, Superman. He's still actually a good guy. He's still doing whatever for the people. But because it's written from Lex's perspective, you get kind of a look into why he is the way he is, why he treats, why he like views Superman as he views him. And I think, uh, especially with uh, a character like Superman, because he's seen as like such a, like some people consider him like overpowered and he's so good that he's boring. But I think with a character like that, that could run into issues where it could seem like he's boring because he has so many powers and he is such a quote unquote goody good, even though that's not even true. Uh, but they're defined by their villains and they're like who they play off of. And so uh, Lex Luthor is such a perfect foil for Superman uh, because Superman has all the power like in the world essentially and choose and chooses because it is a choice uh, to be good, to toe the line that he does. Whereas Lex, the only power that he has is like the political power. He doesn't actually have, he has to build suits and all that. He doesn't have any of the power Superman does. And yet he chooses to be, like, well, you know, for lack of a better term, evil. Like, he chooses to be the way he is. Um, and so they're perfect foils for each other because they're exact opposite sides of the spectrum. And I think it is... And so that particular comic and graphic novel, uh, for me, it really encapsulates that and it really puts... It highlights Lex well so that, for me anyways, I appreciate Superman even more after reading that. And uh, I believe the author's name is Brian Zarello. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, and you mentioned Seinfeld. What's your good, What's your favorite episode of Seinfeld? <laughs> uh, that's a toss-up. That depends on my mood. Um, probably. Well. There's the contest, which... Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, that one's wonderful. Uh, but then, uh, a less... Like, it's still hilarious, but less people might pick it as their favorite. Uh, the Kenny Rogers Roasters episode, where uh, Kenny Rogers moves in across the street, has a big neon sign. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> and it shines into Kramer's apartment, and for whatever reason, like, it's hilarious, but, like... The, for the oddest reasons, they end up swapping apartments, and Jerry goes into Kramer's apartment with the red sign, and you get to see Jerry acting as Kramer, and it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole series, because Jerry does such a good job acting as Jerry, acting as Kramer. It's hilarious. It, like To this day, I've seen that episode dozens of times, and I still laugh when I see it. You know, I like, it's generic, but yada, yada, yada is fantastic to me. Um, oh, that is such a good episode, too. <laughs> yeah, and I like the one where they're in the parking garage, where they can't find the car. Yeah, that one's pretty good, too, because they, yeah, like, that actually happens. So it's like, this, I, people have lived through that before. It's great. <laughs> yes. But, like, season three, four, that was... Like, those were fantastic episodes, and I think those ones are a little uh, 
bit of a sleeper until you kind of get to the contest. I think everything after the contest is where people say, oh, that's where Seinfeld uh, really started to take off. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Like a lot of, so like, yeah, uh, I've converted some friends uh, to being Seinfeld fans and I always start them off with episodes from later seasons so they understand what the show is and then show them the earlier episodes because then they get it and it's easier for them to like get into it. Right, because you could literally watch episode one and then the last episode of the series you would not miss anything <laughs> because yeah like that's the great thing about it they, they did not evolve as human beings whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's so good about it is they just stay terrible humans from the start <laughs> to the finish <laughs> yeah nobody got married nobody be, oh, that, oh that was my that was one of my favorite if this encapsulated the whole self for me. Jerry broke up with this girl because there was this girl and there was nothing wrong with her. He broke up with her because there was nothing wrong with her. Yeah, she was too good. Yeah, and that that's how I told him that so. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Since you are a Canadian from Canada, I have two questions uh, exclusively for Canadians. Uh, the first one being, um, where's the best poutine? The best poutine? Yeah. Oh, oh I'm gonna I'm gonna lose points for this. Uh, I'm not actually that big of a fan of poutine. Like to me, for the most part, it's kind of all the same. Well, we have to revoke your Canadian citizenship now. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm sure that comment will will get me a bunch of heat for sure. <laughs> and is Canada's greatest national treasure um, Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> that well, it's a it's a toss up. It's either Ryan Reynolds or it's Chris Jericho. It's one of the two. We've gotten Bret Hart, Stu Hart, but I don't think we've gotten Chris Jericho yet. <laughs> but yeah, I dig it. Alright, um, it's time for the colossal question. They're making a movie about Jack Pye. It's going to be a big blockbuster. A lot of big names are signed on to do that. Every movie has a soundtrack. What would be the first three songs on the Jack Pye wrestling music soundtrack, uh, movie soundtrack, up to this point? Up to this, ooh. Uh, uh, I would have to go with uh, It's So Easy by Guns N' Roses. All right. Uh, Change uh, by the Deftones. Sweet. And uh, looking down the barrel of a gun uh, by the Beastie Boys. All right, good. That's a solid three. Yeah. Whenever I hear of uh, change, I always think of Cooler's Revenge. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. 
Alright, um, do you lock it in? What's that? Do you lock it in? Do you confirm For what? Sorry. Are, do you confirm that those are your three picks? Do you locked it in? Oh, sorry. I totally <laughs> spaced. Yeah, yeah. Those are absolutely my three. For sure. All right. Now well, we got the soundtrack out of the way. It's time for some casting. Who plays Jack Pride? And you can't say yourself because you have to make a Stanley S. Cameo. <laughs> uh, who's playing me? It's either uh, Tom Hardy or Jake Gyllenhaal. Hmm, interesting. I think either one would be fantastic. Right. Yeah. And who every movie has a supporting cast. Who would be three people in your movie and who would play them? <laughs> oh, oh, that'd be tough. Oh, oh, now you're going to put me on the spot. Um, oh. <clears throat> oh, I don't even know. Um, could have Zoe Sager. Uh, she'd be played by Anna Kendrick. Okay. Uh, uh, trying to think who would play TJ Cannon. Uh, we're going for like crazy hair. Maybe like, uh, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> no, that'd be mean. I'm not going to say that. Oh, uh, you got to say it. <laughs> I was going to say Nick Nolte. He's super old, but, like, <laughs> he's got some wild hair back in the day. Uh, we could oh, CGI uh, out. They could CGI him. Uh, yeah, de-age him. Oh, you know what? If that's the case, uh, we'll get Michael Keaton, uh, like, Beetlejuice-era Michael Keaton. We'll just get him in a wig. He'll play TJ Cannon. Okay. And then... The third one will be Mars, and we will bring in Carrot Top to play Mars. <laughs> All right, I love it. This is sounding like a fantastic movie. Yeah, it's going to be good. You can pre-order your tickets now. <laughs> All right, um, we talked about it a little bit already, but it is a controversial subject. Pineapple on pizza. What's your stance? Oh, absolutely not. Ugh. Nope, can't do it. It's gross. So you don't like, uh, you don't like uh, ketchup, mayonnaise on your pizza. You don't like pineapple on pizza. What are you eating on your pizza? Uh, usually uh, like pepperoni and mushroom or like a meat lovers kind of guy. As it should be. Yeah. What's your spirit Pokemon? Oh, uh, <clears throat> the only Pokemon that I recognize are Gen 1. Uh, so my spirit Pokemon is, uh, is Arcanine. Arcanine. All right. Yeah. Sweet. Um, we love the late, great Tracy Smothers on the show. Do you know the acronym for Doug? T-H-U-G. 
I don't actually. T is for terrible, H is for hell, U is for ugly, and G is for jail, because a dog can't spell. <laughs> yeah, love Tracy trying to keep the memory alive. Tremendous, I like that. And, um, the weirdest question you'll ever be asked on a wrestling interview, would you ever consider wrestling a rock? Not Wayne Johnson, not the country, an actual rock. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know how good the match is going to be, but uh, I'm sure we can find a way to tell a story. <laughs> I mean, Kenny Omega wrestled a blow-up doll. I've seen guys wrestle brooms. Uh, it's got to be a way to find a, find a way to do it. Well, uh, just for context, there's this wrestler named Psycho Mike that wrestled an actual rock for over 15 minutes in a tungsten man match, match, an Iron Man match that lasts for two weeks. <laughs> wow. Yeah. If you're not careful, uh, Von Vertigo World may probably book you in that next, the next tungsten man match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he booked it. <laughs> just so you're aware. Uh, that Tremendous. <laughs> and just so you know, Mike did not win the match. <laughs> the Rock went over. Yeah. Well, technically they tied, but he was the the Rock was the champion, so he retained. <laughs> um. On a more serious note, where do you see yourself in five years? Whew. Uh, five years is that's uh, yeah, that's gonna be a turning point in my career. I'm sure that's uh, that yeah, in five years that's gonna be well, Jack Pride, you're getting old. Uh, where are you? How do you feel right now? Uh, so in the next five years, I'm hoping to have at least wrestled on TV, uh, one time by then if not more uh, i'm hoping to have wrestled in every province in canada by then and done at least uh one tour overseas somewhere or even through the, the u.s i've never wrestled internationally yet so okay. that's something i want to do in the next five years and those all sound like really you know easily obtainable goals in the next maybe year to two years yeah, that would be sweet if I could knock those all off that quick. That would... Whew. Yeah. Alright, uh, and what is a match people should go out of their way to see that best shows off what Jack Pride is all about? Oh, uh, well, uh, for the... Yeah. If you want to know what Jack Pride is all about right about now, uh, either the match of the year that was had with Son of Irish or uh, the match we had with MRB, the street fight, or the No Holds Barred. Those are both quality. All right, and I believe those are already on YouTube, so uh, I will put the link to both of those matches in the description of the video below, both on YouTube and CastBox. For anybody that hasn't seen it yet, wants to see it over again, etc. after this match. Uh, after this interview. And uh, since we are nearing the conclusion of this interview, 
We are wrestling with the eight questions of doom. Dun, dun, dun. This is our speed round, our bonus round, the round where we see who you really are. Are you ready, Jack? Yeah, I'm ready. Excluding yourself, greatest wrestler of all time. Chris Jericho. Worst wrestler. Ooh. Worst one, that's tough. <laughs> oh, worst wrestler of all time, uh, Coda. Coda? Yeah. Who am I? I feel like I know who Coda is, but I can't put a face to those names. <laughs> but, um, you main eventing WrestleMania for the World Championship. Who is your opponent? Oh, uh, that'd have to be, oh, you know what, uh, for going, like, current guys on the WWE roster, I would love if that was Finn Balor. Ooh, interesting. Demon versus Pride. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun to be had there. If you could come out to anyone's entrance music, past or present, who would it be? Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, I was always a huge fan of it would either be Mr. Perfect or Macho Man. Sweet. Finish the sentence. Kayfabe is... <laughs> uh, <clears throat> on life support. We would have also accepted Taste Great on Toast. <laughs> Squash, fruit or vegetable? Oh, uh, that's a vegetable. It's a fruit. Really? Yes, tomato logic. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, but you're part of Squash Squad now, and that means a hell of a lot more. <laughs> Alright, uh, New Japan wrestler Tai Chi, his ring gear gets smaller every year, revealing more of yourself to the world. My question, what is the appropriate trunks to butt cheek ratio for Ringo? Oh, if your entire, you got to get under the cheek. Like, you can't have that thing riding up. Like, you need full coverage. Full coverage. Nothing. No cheek. Yeah, yeah, like, we're talking, like, 80s style. Like, when those guys, they, there was nothing falling out. They were trunks, but... Everything was where it needed to be, like that. All right. And the last question, the main event, the thing everybody wants to know. Have you ever had a conversation with a stranger in a supermarket about Darby Allen? <laughs> uh, I can't say that I have done that before, no. And that is the correct answer. <laughs> that, will that will conclude this interview. Thank you. So, uh, thank all of you for coming on and doing this with me, Jax. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And we, uh, we enjoyed having all of you guys on as well, as many as there is in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and where can we find all things Jack Pride on social media and merchandise? 
Uh, yeah, so Instagram is uh, Mind of Jack Pride. Uh, Twitter is Jack Pride, but the I is a seven. Uh, Jack Pride does have a Facebook page. And yeah, that's all the social media. I think I have a. What's the online t shirt shop that everyone uses? Pro Wrestling Tees. That's the one. I think I'm still on Pro Wrestling Tees, actually. So you go find me there. Alright, and if they are, I will find. There's no need to look for these links, um, throw it into your Google machine. I will find all of those links, especially if you have Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, and they will all be in the description of the video below or on YouTube at Castbox. Simply click the link. Um, a new tab will appear on whatever device you are on. You have no excuse. Buy a damn sword. <laughs> Alright, uh, of course, if you like what we're doing, uh, please like, subscribe, comment, but on YouTube and CastBox. Uh, of course, this is sponsored by Rogue Energy and Fair One Coffee. Join us tomorrow as we interview uh, Claudia Solis. Um, follow us so at Wrestling with Evil on Twitter and Instagram uh, for information on who we're interviewing, when we're interviewing them, links to those interviews, and so much more. Follow me personally at JamesC993. Alright, um, Jack, when I say wrestling what you say entertainment, alright? Yeah. Alright. For our very special guest, Jack Pye, Calico Yacht, Scooter Dust, I'm James J, and this has been Wrestling With... Entertainment. Hey folks, this is the Colossal Mike Law, and you are listening to Wrestling With Entertainment. Enjoy the show, support these guys, we appreciate it very much. We'll see you at ringside.